Welcome back for another episode of the Leader of Learning podcast. This is where educators can come to find inspiration to transform education through effective leadership. I'm your host, Dan Krinas. Let's get started. What do you do when teachers resist change or are reluctant to change their ways? Welcome back to the Leader of Learning podcast in episode 69. I've actually decided to tackle the topic of resistance to change and teacher resistance. And my question to you is, as a leader of learning, what do you do when teachers resist change or are reluctant to change their ways? And I've decided to tackle this topic of resistance to change here in this solo episode because I've done a fair amount of research into this area, and I think resistance to change affects everyone. You might be someone like me who is eager to implement change and coaches others who might be more resistant, or you yourself might be someone who struggles or has struggled with implementing new policies or practices. As a leader of learning, Have you ever been in a situation where you have been skeptical about being asked to implement a new initiative? Have you been hesitant, resistant, or even reluctant to implement a new initiative? Have you ever tried to coach or help another educator who was resistant to implementing a change? As I tell people all the time, if you have worked in education for more than just a year or two, you probably have realized that the one thing that remains constant in education is that nothing ever remains constant in education. Change occurs so rapidly in the field of education that it can be a challenge to keep up with it all. The real question is, how do you react to changes? Some educators are better at embracing change, while others seem to be slower to react, seem to question change, or can even be reluctant or resistant to implement change. So what does this all mean, and why are we talking about resistance to change? When I became an instructional coach for the first time in my career about 10 years ago, I began to take an interest in how to work with teachers who are resistant or reluctant to try new things, to change their instruction or their methods in their classroom. I even took a course on coaching that was provided by the Match Education Organization in which the course presenters focused on coaching teachers through understanding certain types of fixed mindsets. I won't go too much into growth mindset theory here, but you might already be familiar with the research done by Carol Dweck or her book Mindset. Basically, her research explained how some people tend to perceive intelligence as more of a fixed or unchangeable characteristic, while others consider intelligence to be something which can be developed. The research led to the term growth mindset, which means that someone who possesses a growth mindset believes that a person can develop new knowledge, skills, and talents, whereas a fixed mindset is both the opposite of and the absence of a growth mindset. Individuals who possess a fixed mindset believe intelligence is fixed. A person either can do something or they cannot. These mindsets may play a key role in determining whether or not a person might be resistant to change. Part of my goal with this episode and the supplemental blog post that's been published on leaderoflearning.com is to help you understand that resistance to change is real and is research-based. 
As an educator and a doctoral candidate researching leadership practices to inspire a growth mindset in teachers, I have learned that resistance to change is real and it prevents people from changing, from innovating, and from performing. Resistance to change is very much like having a fixed mindset and can affect any educator, not just veteran educators. In my dissertation and in my own original research, I was inspired by a few pieces of literature dealing with the concept of teacher resistance or resistance to change. None were more informative or inspiring than a 2017 article that was published in the National Council of Professors of Educational Administration's International Journal of Educational Leadership Preparation back in 2017 called Resistance to Change Among Veteran Teachers, Providing Voice for More Effective Engagement. That was written by Richard R. Snyder from Wartburg College. In Snyder's article, he noted that one of the factors most affecting the effective implementation of reform is resistance to change. He also noted that veteran teachers in particular present unique challenges and stereotypically show the greatest resistance for effective implementation of change. Snyder's own research, which inspired the article, included a phenomenological qualitative study which he claimed would provide a voice for veteran teachers. Snyder conducted semi-structured interviews with nine veteran teachers who were all over 50 years old, taught for at least 20 years, and averaged 31 years of experience. The purpose of Snyder's study was to clarify reasons for resistance to change among later career teachers in order that educational leaders might respond in more meaningful and effective ways. In other words, Snyder wanted to study why some veteran teachers may be resistant to change in order to help leaders better prepare to support teachers who might be resistant. Since veteran teachers may resist change for a variety of systemic or individual reasons, Snyder thought that understanding those reasons for resistance may provide educational leaders with more effective strategies for implementing change. I think it's important to note at this point and emphasize that not all later career or veteran teachers resist change. As a matter of fact, a couple of other researchers whom Snyder cited in his article not only study the difference between resistant and cooperative teachers, but also distinguished types of responses to change by teachers, both positive and negative. So why are teachers resistant to change? Another researcher, Huberman, in 1988 initially proposed, and then another researcher, Hargreaves, in 2005 elaborated that various responses to change by later career teachers include continuing renewal, positive focusers, disenchanted, and negative focusers. In other words, they categorized four types of responses to change that teachers might show. Continuing renewal teachers identify ways to stay current and relevant, adopting new strategies throughout their career. Positive focusers will accept change, but predominantly within the confines of their own classroom. In their wisdom and later in life, these positive focusers can serve their energy while focusing on the students who cross their threshold in their classrooms every day. Disenchanted later career teachers are those who invested themselves in several school reform efforts only to be let down. 
Skepticism exists toward new initiatives due to the tabling of previous efforts as well as the repetition of change initiatives. And finally, negative focusers are those veterans who work aggressively to undermine change, thwart any improvements that may threaten them, and use their political power to keep their life easy. In other words, they are the most outspoken and the stereotypical resistant veteran teacher or the bane of administrators' lives. These researchers also noted the importance of what they consider rewards when it comes to teacher beliefs and possibly resistance to change. Another researcher, Lordy, in 1975, identified various types of rewards associated with the selection of careers. Types of these rewards are as follows. Extrinsic rewards focus on income, level of prestige, and potential power that comes with a position. Ancillary rewards include the work schedule and conditions associated with a particular job. Psychic rewards are the internal feelings of fulfillment for which one enters the profession. And then Goodson, Moore, and Hargreaves, researchers in 2006, emphasized that a final characteristic is central to the later career teacher experience, and that is teacher nostalgia. Nostalgia in this case is the major form of memory among a demographically dominant cohort of experienced older teachers. More specifically, there are two types of teacher nostalgia that exist. One is social nostalgia. Social nostalgia is the sense of family, a school's community of staff and students that teachers knew and experienced earlier in their career. So really, these are the teachers who cling to the way it's always been. They're the ones who you might hear from as saying, we've always done it this way, or this is the way it's always been done here. Social nostalgia accompanies changes that take time away from or change relationships with colleagues and students. Then there's political nostalgia. Political nostalgia, on the other hand, arises from a loss of autonomy, stemming from either mandated or some kind of top-down initiative. These initiatives particularly result in the loss of independence, creativity, and status that veteran teachers once knew. So while I'm not going to ask you to identify what type of nostalgia you're dealing with, because hopefully you're not very resistant to change, But think about which type of reward do you focus on and how do you respond to change? Are you one of those continuing renewal teachers? Are you a positive focuser? Are you disenchanted or are you a negative focuser? What have researchers found in all of this? Although some of the veteran teachers who participated in Snyder's study seemed to still support and embrace change, some acknowledged a more critical attitude toward new initiatives. I think we as educators can all relate to a time when we were first informed about a new initiative. What was our initial reaction? Was there an immediate hesitation? Similar to how many of us may have reacted, Snyder's participants admitted that they would maintain strategies they deemed best for kids. I think we can all empathize with educators who will continue to do what they think is in the best interest of students no matter what. Resistance to change theorists have emphasized the importance of clarifying the perception of resistance through conversations with those deemed to be resistant. 
Teachers consistently expressed their desire to have open conversations about reform initiatives. The teachers supported the belief that taking the time to think critically about new initiatives reflected the school's long-term goals rather than resistance to those goals. Engaging these seemingly resistant individuals in clarifying conversations may strengthen the initiative while recognizing the legitimate mission and memory of the change recipients. Therefore, educational leaders benefit from being cognizant of changes that negatively affect relationships or that social nostalgia and changes that decrease teacher autonomy, the political nostalgia. Implications for educational leader practice center on a greater awareness of psychic rewards, social and political nostalgia, later career teacher experience, and engaging teachers in clarifying conversations. The research showed that later career teachers desire meaningful conversations with education leaders about the implementation of new initiatives. I'm sure the same is true for newer teachers as well. Several participants in Snyder's research acknowledged they may be more critical of change, but they were also willing to dialogue about the meaningful implementation of initiatives in their local context. A greater willingness on the part of educational leaders to provide a context for these conversations validates the experience of these teachers. It also clarifies their concerns about the potential initiatives and sets the stage for more effective engagement from all teachers. So can we prevent teacher resistance? While I don't believe we can end resistance to change, there are definitely measures that can be implemented to reduce resistance. As previously mentioned, communication in the form of clarifying conversations is tremendously important when implementing any new initiatives. Snyder and other researchers have recommended that future research concentrate on the interaction between teachers and educational leaders during times of change, especially as the increasing presence of teacher leaders, instructional coaches, and other new roles for teachers and administrators only heightens the challenge of effective interaction for school improvement. These clarifying conversations that identify the meaning of any initiative at the local level may be time-consuming and messy, but they strengthen the ownership and implementation of change through shared leadership. These conversations validate the mission and memory of veteran teachers while legitimizing their psychic rewards. I want to thank you guys for tuning into this episode. I think it is so important. And I think that, again, as I said at the beginning, all of us, no matter how long you've been in education, have definitely faced times in our careers where new initiatives and many, many changes were thrown at us. And we've also probably experienced times when these new changes were reacted to in a wide variety of ways. Some teachers were eager to implement new change. Some teachers just needed more time or more questions to be answered first, while other teachers were really much more resistant to actually implementing change. As I said, my research and the research of some of these other experts who I've mentioned here in this episode has not only led to the belief that, yes, resistance to change is real, but that there are things that especially school leaders, whether they have leadership roles or titles or not, can do to help lead and guide teachers through change. 
Of course, as always, if there is any more information that I can provide or any help that I can be to you or anyone you know about implementing change or any other education topic that we've discussed here on this show or that you have a curiosity about, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can email me at dan at leaderoflearning.com. Find any of my contact information at leaderoflearning.com slash contact, or of course, find me out there on social media. I appreciate you guys once again for listening. Thanks so much, and keep doing that amazing work that you do every day. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so yet, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Also, if you enjoy the content shared on the show, please recommend this podcast to other educators, leaders, friends, or anyone you think would love listening and learning. I would also appreciate it if you would leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or whatever podcast app you use to listen. For more information about me or this show, head over to leaderoflearning.com. While you're there, you can also find the Leader of Learning blog, how to connect on social media such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Voxer, sign up for our newsletter, and even find out how to purchase Leader of Learning merchandise. Thanks again, and remember, no matter who you are or where you are, you too can be a Leader of Learning.